Hi, One Goal community. It's Elaine Boyd, Pelotonia's Event and Volunteer Operations Coordinator. Since 2008, Pelotonia has raised over $236 million for innovative cancer research. And thanks to our partners, 100% of those funds have gone directly to research at the James at Ohio State. Together, we will see an end to cancer. To get involved in our one goal, visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org or click on the link in the episode notes. This podcast is powered by Pelotonia. To learn more about our goal 10 cancer, visit pelotonia.org or see the link in the show notes. We went very in-depth with facts of our lives that night. Someone that I date could be scared off by this. I was aware of that, but that was definitely not going to be the person for me. It's part of my life. It's part of my story. It will never not be part of my life. So that was just one of my things. Welcome to One Goal, a storytelling podcast from Pelotonia. We're a passionate community dedicated to funding innovative cancer research. I'm your host and president of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Your journey with us to the finish line begins now. Pelotonia is powered by an unstoppable community, and it's through research we will see an end to cancer. We want to thank our major funding partners for making all of this possible. The American Electric Power Foundation, Bath and Body Works, Huntington, Peggy and Richard Santulli, and Victoria's Secret. When you're done experiencing this episode, we'd be honored if you would leave a review and share it with family and friends. This really helps extend the impact of this series and helps further our one goal. Thank you. And now, on to the episode. Well, we are super excited today to have on the One Goal podcast, Autumn Theodore and Jake Berry, two community members that have met over the last couple of years and have a really fascinating story to share. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So we'd love for each of you just to introduce yourself, however you want to be introduced. Uh, so Autumn, I'll let you go ahead first. Sure. So uh, my name is Autumn Theodore, and I am a local commercial photographer, and so I Love the work that I do with so many different businesses around the city, which is awesome. And yeah, I like to spend my free time with a lot of friends and different community organizations like Pelotonia that does a lot for the community. And I'm Jake Berry. Uh, I'm Autumn's partner and uh, I work for Cover My Meds, which is a local company here in Columbus. We have the new awesome new building downtown and I work in analytics there and been in- involved with Pelotonia since 2014 and a huge supporter of the organization. So Autumn, I want to get started with you and and sort of your health journey and and sort of the personal journey you've been on over the last several years. So my question for you is when when did you feel like something wasn't right? And what was that experience like? I had um, migraines for about 10 years. And finally, after maybe eight years, I went to a neurologist and I was like, I I don't really want to take medication, but can can you help me with something? Because these migraines are not great. And he recommended some vitamins to me and those vitamins did wonders for a couple of years. Uh, And he said, if you ever feel the headaches go to the back of your head, make sure you see me. A couple of years later, the headaches did start to go towards the back of my head. And I also, every once in a while, noticed things around me just shaking a little bit in my vision. I knew nothing was shaking. It wasn't a mental thing. It was literally just seeing like a little bit of shaking, especially when I was moving quickly, like when I was driving. That's terrifying. 
So I called him and I uh, told him and he was like, you know what, let's just, we'll get you in. I'm gonna, you know, check you out and I'm sure everything's fine, but, but let's do that. I went in for an appointment. He's like, seriously, everything looks fine. Let's just schedule an MRI so that we can cross everything off. Three weeks later, um, May 24th, 2018. That was a day that I'll never forget. I was lucky my mom was in town visiting. It had nothing to do with the MRI. She went with me to my appointment, got it done, went to get my hair cut. And when my head was back in the sink, getting my hair washed, I got a call. And as I was sitting there with wet hair, my neurologist told me that I had a brain tumor. He said, you don't have to go to the emergency room this very moment, but you have to go tonight. Like you can't just go to bed and go tomorrow. You have to go tonight. I didn't know what was about to happen. So my mom and I went straight to my apartment. I work for myself. I'm a self-employed photographer. So I had shoots lined up for the next several weeks, if not months. I had unedited photos on my computer that needed to go out to clients in days. I sat on my computer for hours editing photos. I packed up a backpack with my laptop and some yoga pants and went to the emergency room at midnight. It's amazing that you were able to get your affairs in order, basically, with <laughs> yeah. all that hanging over you. Because, I, you know, I, I've been through my own cancer experience and I had a similar kind of situation where I was told to like, go to the emergency room. You don't have to run there, but like be there yes. today. And yes. like, I, I went right there. It was, it was crazy. And I was super lucky that my mom was there, but her sister, my aunt came from Cleveland immediately to Columbus. We were at the emergency room at OSU. And by 3 a.m., we were upsetting the rest of the nurses on the floor because we were being so loud laughing and joking around that they had to like shut our door and be like, you guys need to calm down. Like, I just, I think humor is the best way to deal with these situations as hard as they are. And that's, those are honestly my memories from that night. They said that they were going to discharge me the next day because they were scheduling surgery for me seven to 10 days later. There was really just a lot of sitting around and talking. I think I had an additional MRI. A lot of doctors were in. They had bars up on either side of me in case I had a seizure. I had never had a seizure because of my brain tumor, so I was super lucky with that. But they were doing all the preventative work that they could from me you know, getting hurt in a different way. I was discharged uh, later the afternoon of the next day, and I knew I had 10 days to get the rest of my life in order. I didn't know what that week between finding out in surgery was gonna look like, so I was preparing for everything. My mom never left. She stayed with me the whole time. I wasn't allowed to drive because I could have had a seizure, so I had to either have her take me places or take Ubers or have friends pick me up. And I also went to a lot of social things. I went to graduation parties and baby showers and birthday parties, and my life didn't stop. And everybody was so, I was very open about this. Everybody. I told everybody in my life, I put it on social media what was happening because I wanted people to know. I wanted people to know that I was going to be okay because I knew I was going to be okay. So it was a, an interesting and very busy 10 days between finding out and surgery. After the initial MRI or even in the emergency room, did they give you your official diagnosis or were they waiting until after the surgery to really determine what exactly it was? They knew it was a brain tumor. That's all they knew. So do you remember? Like 
what's interesting about a scheduled surgery is that like you drive to the hospital or someone drives you to the hospital, like the anticipation of, you know, whether it's early morning or whatever it is, but like, it's not like an emergency surgery. Right. And so there's a whole different level of, I think, anxiety that can come along with that. Do you remember the day that you had your surgery? I remember in preparation for that, they put me on dexamethasone, which is a steroid, which I was very prepared for COVID because when you're on this, you lose smell and taste. So I was ready, you know, in the past two years, I was very sad. I couldn't taste because we went to Ab India for dinner the night before my surgery. And we just, me and 10 of the closest people to me, we just got the biggest dinner family style, ate everything. And I couldn't taste any of it, but I knew it was delicious. And so that night, my mom stayed with me and she's a nurse. So she knows all the things that are supposed to happen and what needs to be prepared. And I had to wash my hair twice in a row with a specific shampoo. And because they're, you know, cutting into my head and they're about to shave part of my head and they need it to be extremely sanitized in a certain surgical way. So that's what I remember that night is just washing my hair twice and packing a bag and. I was very optimistic and knew that I would in some way be fine, but I had heard from um, a couple other people in my life who have had a similar surgery that um, they couldn't talk for two days. Like They literally just had an experience where it was very hard to communicate and you don't know what it's like when you wake up after brain surgery. So I was preparing for the worst, but hoping for the best. So anyone that's had any health ailment will tell you the time between a surgery or an image imaging and like when you find out is always the worst. Uh, How long did it take for them to actually give you a diagnosis? I had my follow-up appointment scheduled for two weeks later and I was ridiculously optimistic because 10 years before this, I had actually had surgery on my abdomen. I had uh, an ovarian cyst. So when I had that cyst removed, they confirmed that it was not cancerous. It was completely benign. So I thought that it was the same. The moment I woke up from surgery, everybody was telling me like they got 100% out. And I was like, oh, then they're going to tell me the same thing that they did 10 years ago when I had my ovarian cyst out. They're going to say, it's out. We're going to check on you maybe every few years, but like, that's it. At that follow-up appointment on June 18th, probably the worst day of my life, I found out that brain tumor means brain cancer. And I didn't know that. I had no idea that this was something that could happen again, could come back. And so that's the fear that I still live with every single day. Um, I have scans every four months and they're terrifying. Jake is the best supporter. He and my mom go with me to all my appointments and, you know, we cry when there's good news. And I'm even after we leave, even after good news, I'm still freaking out because this is something that I have to do for the rest of my life, which is very difficult. So. So Jake, let's talk about you entering the picture and uh, you had, had been a part of the Peloton community since before uh, the two of you met, but yeah. curious how you, how you came to Pelotonia, but then ultimately how, how your two paths crossed. I started riding in Pelotonia in 2014. That's when I first learned about Pelotonia. I was working at L Brands at the time, which is a, a massive Peloton. Hard to, uh, it's has, hard to miss Pelotonia if you're working at Elbrand. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. It was such a cool, inspiring experience to be there in those, those early days and see the excitement around Pelotonia and hear so many stories at Elbrands uh, of people you know, directly impacted by cancer. And at that point in my life, gratefully, I didn't really have anyone really close to me 
that had been impacted by cancer. So hearing those stories really hit me hard and made me just really want to get involved in any way that I could. And so uh, for the next few years, I was a part of that Peloton and, and road. And the whole experience was just incredible. Hearing more of the stories at opening ceremonies and talking to other writers uh, who were survivors, it just became something that was really important to me. Were you into cycling before or did you? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. My, uh, my father-in-law at the time was an avid cyclist and he had gotten me into it a little bit. It kind of coincided. I think I had done my first ride outside of Pelotonia just before that, that ride. Okay. I bought a bike from another Pelotonia rider who was really amazing and generous and had a very nice bike. And he was, he was one of those riders that was like, I'm ready to upgrade to one of these like, you know, $10,000 bikes. And I was not at that point, <laughs> um, but he, he sold me my, my first like actual road bike for a Pelotonia donation, um, which was really amazing and, and got me even more into, uh, into riding. I feel like you probably got a really good deal. Getting a bike from somebody that's upgrading to a $10,000 bike is like the best possible way to do yeah, it. Yeah, it was great. It's great. It's still my bike today. It's still still what I ride. Um, so I did 100 miles that, that next year, um, which was an amazing experience on its own. To do that and overcome that, I'm, I'm not a super active person in general. So like that accomplishment was really big for me. And then a year after Autumn's diagnosis, uh, we met over pizza at, uh, at Polly G's. What was the what was the Polly G's order? Do you remember? We definitely got a Hellboy. Is that the one with the hot honey? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure that's is. Our so good. That style of pizza is like my favorite. Same. So we we had our first date there, and it was great. I think we talked for like seven hours. We did. That was a seven-hour first date. Yeah, that's yeah. got to be a record of some sort. That's amazing. <laughs> that's when I I first learned about Autumn's diagnosis and um, and heard that story. It was. You know everything that you just heard, and um, it also like all of these other stories before, just really hit me at how difficult it is for someone going through this experience, and how how important it is for the work of Pelotonia to to yeah. continue and, and to grow. So I'm I'm curious what you felt, maybe not what your outward reaction was, but like what you felt and what was going through your mind when she shared that on her first date, because. When I met my wife and I took her out on our first date, I just laid it all out because I felt like just better to get it out of the way now. Autumn, was that your like game plan going into it? I didn't have a game plan. I was very aware that someone that I date could, could be scared off by this. I was aware of that, but also very prepared to understand that that was definitely not going to be the person for me. So if that turned anyone else or any person that I was dating off, like clearly I'm not going to spend another minute with them. So I wasn't really conducting a test on that first date. It was just, it's part of my life. It's part of my story. It will never not be part of my life. I mean, we went very in depth with facts of our lives that night. We learned a whole lot about each other. So that was just one of my things. Yeah. What did you think, Jake, when you heard that? It was, again, like all of those other stories, really powerful. And with each person that up until that point that I'd met, I don't think I had heard as much about the story going into it and the emotions that go into it. And especially the the trauma that goes along with with scans. Um, At that time, it was every three months for Autumn. And that was a piece of it I had never heard about before. Uh, I mean, I, I think in the back of my mind, I knew it was a thing, but I hadn't heard someone talk about that experience. 
and how how scary it is and even getting good news from it they can still be really scary just the anxiety that goes around that so i I think learning about that was um you know impacted me even more about how important it is to solve this stuff and find a cure for each of these individual types of cancer and just really really made me feel for you and your experience so this pizza date was not the end of pizza for the two of you and tell me about brink club and sort of what inspired it and what you're doing with it yeah so i i've been making pizza my whole life and and like i said really into pizza it's it's probably my favorite food i think i can say that i've enjoyed cooking since i was a kid and and i've made pizza since i was a kid but it's just the typical you know like mix some dough together half an hour before and throw it in the oven sort of a pizza and then the pandemic happened and, you know, everyone was making their sourdough bread and things like that. Oh and yeah. I forgot about the sourdough yeah. bread thing. So I tried that one time and sourdough didn't really uh, get it going for me, but I started reading through that, started reading more about pizza dough and learning about the process that goes into making a true Neapolitan style pizza. And it's like a, a multi-day fermentation process. And I have ADHD. And so I learn about something like this. And then I like hyper-focus down on and go way too deep on it. So that's that's what happened with pizza. So I started, you know, learning about different hacks to make that style of pizza in a home oven and eventually bought a pizza oven and started making pizza for my friends and just realized like the joy of seeing people enjoying pizza, trying something they'd never tried before, toppings wise, and just seeing the the look on their face was just like it just continued to fuel my interest in it. So uh last year for our cover my meds Peloton we were you know, talking about different ways to raise money and we do a raffle every year, like a big, a big auction raffle. And so I decided to auction off two uh, pizza experiences and just like throw a party for a couple of people. And that went really well. And I had a really great time and raised a lot of money through that and uh, decided this year to try to make that a little bit bigger and started planning out doing larger events and things like that. And then we, we got to talking about the idea of a supper club and how cool it would be to get to know people and, and sort of create an experience uh, in our home. And that's where the brink started. Um, so we're going to start it this summer um, in, in June. And uh, yeah, it'll be all for Pelotonia donations, pizza, good drinks. My brother is an amazing mixologist and he's going to help us come up with some great drinks. And we'll have some other surprises that go along with it. But just hoping to to create an experience that's just an amazing time. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we'll count, yeah. count the Pelotonia office in. Autumn, I want to sort of talk about Great Minds and everything you're involved with there because I think it's really important. And, you know, we're blessed to live in a community like Columbus that I think has got to be one of the most philanthropic communities in our country. And there's just so many great organizations, so many great events that exist. And want to dive a little bit into what Great Minds is and sort of what it means to you and, and how you've been involved. The day, June 18th, that I got my diagnosis, my actual diagnosis, and you know, you see a social worker that day and they give you a lot of information and, and ways to, to find support. And one of the brochures that I got said, rock and roll over brain cancer. And I was like, this must be like a, an organization that raises money for brain cancer or something. 
correct assumption. Um, but I had so much paperwork that I didn't really look at it. I was just very aware of the name of this organization. And so a couple months later, I'm at an event for the College of Social Work at OSU. I'm photographing an event for them. And there's this woman there. And I find out that she is the president of Rock and Roll Over Brain Cancer. And I was like, oh, I've like heard of them. Like I have to talk to this woman find out that she and I have the exact same diagnosis, like to a T. It's horrible. I don't want anybody to experience this, but it's nice to find that connection with someone else to really understand what it's like. She had found out in 2001, in the summer of 2001, I believe. And this was 2018. And this was 17 years later and she was alive. I mean, she was told that she had five years because this was prior to so much brain cancer research you know, there's just so much that has come to be. Like every year that goes by, there's way more stuff that can be done with these types of diagnoses. And so I was two months out of surgery and she was like, oh my gosh, like you just had surgery two months ago. Like this is a big time for you. And I was like, yeah, and you're here 17 years later. Like this is amazing. She told me about the organization and she was like, you should be part of our board. And I was like, you don't even know me but I'm interested. So let's talk about this. And so within another month or two, I was on the board of Rock and Roll Over Brain Cancer. We have a couple events, time passes, and um, her name is Mary Kay Fenlon. She actually is now a judge in Columbus, which is super cool. As a judge, it's, I think, possible legally, but it doesn't look the best to also be president of a board that has to do with donations and fundraising and stuff. So she was like, I need to have another president. Do you want to be president? And I was like, Sure. That escalated quickly. It escalated very quickly. Um, I am a leader in a lot of ways, but it's also very overwhelming. I don't have employees in my business because I don't want to manage people. And so Jake honestly talked me into it because I was thinking, I don't want to lead this organization, but there are a lot of things about me that um, that could work well. And they, do, and they do, which is great. So the day that I became president, I said, this is a great organization, but it not only focuses on music anymore. It's way more than just rock and roll. There were golf outings. There were um, wine and cheese events. Like There are all these different things. I said, I don't think rock and roll over brain cancer is the correct name. Let's maybe find somebody to work with, a marketing agency, something to help us through this process of renaming, rebranding, having an entirely new visual identity. And so I started looking and reaching out to people that I know uh, who own different businesses. And several steps along the way, we found Nonfiction, which is a marketing and branding agency in Worthington. And because um, one of the co-owners, his mom had brain cancer and actually passed two years ago, they gave us a $30,000 project pro bono. And we will be forever grateful for them. They helped us rename, and our name now is Great Minds. And this all had happened in the fall and winter of last year. So we are about to have our launch event in the next couple of months. And we're just really excited to kind of show that new look to everybody and hopefully expand our community to be able to specifically raise money for brain cancer research and, and patient care at the James. Any details you can share on the launch event? I can't say where or the exact date yet. Yeah, that's okay. We're we're very excited. I know how event planning goes. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Two final questions. I guess first question, what's Pelotonia mean to both of you? Jake, you've now, I mean, you're coming up on pretty soon a decade involved with the organization. Autumn, you've 
you've lived in Columbus and have seen it, but uh, you know now obviously closer to your heart. Um, so I'm curious what it means to each of you. Ten years ago, I remember I don't know if it was a a bar crawl where the funds went to cancer research, but I was wearing a T-shirt and it said something like I fundraise for, I raise money for, and it was a little line for you to be able to write in somebody's name. And I was with a bunch of friends and they all have, you know, a family member's name, a mom's name, whatever, to write into this line. And I literally was thinking like, who, who do I know that has cancer? I literally couldn't think of anybody. And I literally like wrote on this t-shirt, anyone who needs it, because I didn't know anybody with cancer. Like I am so fortunate to have a family that is incredibly healthy. And because of that incredibly healthy family, I never thought that I would have cancer. And so I always remember that day just being a day where I still felt a lot of connection to organizations that do the work and people who are part of it, who don't even have the specific connection to someone like Jake. He wasn't even writing for any particular person. He just found a lot of value in Pelotonia and the amazing, insane amount of work that you guys do for literally everyone who's been connected to cancer. I remember feeling a lot of emotions around Pelotonia. I remember coming to some of the, you know, kickoff events the weekend of with friends who were riding, just crying, like, you know, standing there watching the videos and like crying. I knew nobody with cancer and I was, just, it was so emotional. And I was like, this is incredible. I love that they're doing this for people. And I felt absolutely no connection to it until 2018. And then it really meant something to me. The work that was being done really meant something for me. Yeah. That's amazing. You, you, you never would have thought you could have written myself on that line. Exactly. Never. Yeah. Jake, what about you? For me, all the way from the very beginning, just hearing so many stories, hearing from the researchers uh, at the James when they would come to speak at L Brands, I think from that point on, it just continued escalating and becoming more and more important to me. From there, my daughter was born in 2015 and then my son in 2017. And the thought of my kids having to go through that, you know, that that made me feel even more passionate about giving my time and money to Pelotonia and trying to raise awareness around it, because I hoped that once they were older, that that would be something that's, you know, in the past. So that was, you know, really important to me. And and then meeting Autumn. Uh, and I've also, you know, had a few other people in my life since who who have passed away as a, as a result of cancer. With each year that passes, the, the mission of Pelotonia becomes more and more important to me. And with that, the, the amount of money that is raised and the research that comes out of the work that Pelotonia is doing just continues to get more and more amazing. I, I've met so many people in the last few years that have been directly impacted by the research that, that Pelotonia has funded. And so with every year that goes by, it's, it's just more and more important to me and, and, a, and a bigger part of how I spend my time. That's awesome. I appreciate both of you sharing that. Um, before we sign off and let you go, uh, we got to circle back to the pizza. So it can't be Polly G's because uh, we just got to pick something else. So best pizza <laughs> order in Columbus. Next for me, Harvest and Natalie's. Like I said, that Neapolitan style is like, is my favorite. Harvest was my number one prior to Polly G's opening. Like, oh my gosh, this is like the pizza that I've had in Southern Italy where my grandpa's from. Like yeah, it was, it's so good. I was like, good. this is what I want. Well, this was awesome and uh, so appreciate you both sharing your journeys and, and connection to one another and to Pelotonia and to, to cancer research generally. And it's always so special just to 
be able to dive really deep, you know, with people. And, and so appreciate uh, so much, both of you. Thanks Thank for having you us. For having us. Yeah. Thanks for letting us tell our, our past and present and future stories. This has been One Goal, a storytelling podcast from Pelotonia. I'm your host, cancer survivor and president of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Interview and production scheduling by our marketing and communications team, Gabby Blauert, John Tolbert, and Alita Smith. One Goal is carefully crafted, produced, and mastered at the studios of Wessler Media. Special thank you to all of our guests for being so willing to share their inspiring journeys for this podcast. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe so you can listen to previous episodes and receive notifications about future ones. If you want to learn more about the Pelotonia community and how you can make an impact on cancer research, see the link in the show notes or visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org.